Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. Show any 
grace or tolerance to the attacks of the enemy. Right? We've got to fight back. We, we've got to fight back and we've got to dig in. So, so just, just uh, I was just thinking of this example the other day. There was this, there was this farmer that was out with his hunting dogs, and one of his hunting dogs uh, fell into this big, big, deep pit. He didn't know where this pit came from, but nevertheless, the dog fell in there, and he was like, you know what, I got, I got eight other hunting dogs. I'm just, I'm not, I can't get the dog out of there. This is not a very good dog owner, by the way, all right? He's like, I, I love, I love this, this bloodhound, but I'm, I'm just going to let him, I'm just, it's just so deep, I don't have time, I got other dogs, and so, you know, he just, this, this just he just happened to have a shovel on him, <laughs> I'm saying that for the story, you know? So, so, the, so he pulled out the shovel, and he just starts throwing dirt. To, to go ahead and bury his dog that's at the very bottom of the pit barking and wanting to get out. I mean, this dog is, you know, 20 feet down there. And every time he would get the shovel and throw dirt on the dog, the, the dog would just, you know, get the dirt off. But the dirt kept gathering at the bottom. And so the, the farmer kept, kept kept throwing dirt down there and the, and the dog would shake it off and the, and the dog just began to rise up and rise up. You guys know where I'm going with this? The, you know, the devil has been throwing dirt on you, but, but you're not letting the dirt sit on your shoulders and your head and your body and bury you. What you do is you, you shake it off and, and, and you start using what the enemy meant to bury you. You start, you start stepping up, right? You start stepping up and, and you're and you, you know, first of all, you—that's not the owner that you need anymore. Right? The way you, you're, when you, when you get out of that pit, you're free. You're a free dog. Look at your neighbor and say you're a free dog. A <laughs> dog. Uh, this, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna rap or anything this morning. But, uh, when it, listen, listen. If I ever come in here with a sermon and I start rapping the sermon, you know Jesus is coming back that day. All right. Yeah, listen, two things. If I rap or I start dancing, you better just cancel your plans for the day because you go home with the Lord, okay? Because I don't rap and I don't dance. Amen. Amen. How, many, how, how many of you have done that too? You know, your, your, your family and, and your boss and your job and your finances and your flesh and the world and the devil, they just been throwing dirt on you. And you've just been using it as a catapult to get out of the hole. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? Thank you, Mr. I got an important announcement before I get serious about the message here. Because I haven't talked to y'all in a couple weeks, and I, I have to indulge a little bit. Did you guys watch the Texans-Browns game? Oh, yes, no. Did y'all? Did y'all? Did y'all? Can, can, we, can we give a good cheer to the Texans right now? No. No. Oh, praise God. I will tell you guys, while you're booing the Texans, they got a quarterback that loves Jesus. Yeah. They got a quarterback that loves Jesus. Let's pray that he stays that way, right? Amen. He's, man, so, all right. Now let's get to some serious stuff. You guys know the scripture. I'm going to read it to you today. And, and just kind of confirm some things very quickly. This this amazing prophecy um, of what Jesus has come to do in Isaiah chapter 61 in the New King James. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that may be glorified, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast instead of your shame. You shall have a double honor, or in most, some Bibles is a double portion, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess double, everlasting joy shall be theirs, for I am the Lord. Um, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth, and I will make them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. And all who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the uh, posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my Lord, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so that the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. According to this, Jesus is a Savior that believes in reversal. Jesus, help me, I, I just, I, I really want y'all to get this today because I've had a hard time letting some of this sink in lately that, that we still serve a God that believes in reversal. It doesn't matter how bad things look in your life right now. You serve a king that can not only reverse it. How, how, what happens when you go, when you reverse far enough, guess what happens? You go back in time. We serve a God of time travel. Now listen, what I mean by that is God can take your sickness. He can take your bad health. He can take your bad finances. He can take your bad relationship. And he can, through you honoring and glorifying and obeying him, he can reverse it to the point that he will heal every single one of those areas. Does anybody believe that today? Hmm. I don't believe you. That was a bit, that was a bit weak. That wasn't very convincing. And maybe that's what's wrong with us. Because we come in church and we talk a good game. But what do we actually believe about our sin? What actually, let's get to the heart of it. What actually is going on in your personal life right now? What actual secrets are you dealing with? 
What actual dark places and, and sin are you holding back? Nobody knows about except you and the Lord. Those are the areas that we need to identify. Those are the areas that are robbing our joy. Those are the areas that are, that are stopping the Lord from reversing and, and getting you to a place of healing, a place of, of how many of you know you've got to be broken in order to be truly healed? Emotionally, spiritually, um, psychosocially, you, you've got to allow an opening and, and the anointing of God to come in in order for you to be healed. You can't just keep doing things the same way over and over again and expect a different result. This is what, how marriages end, is nobody wants to give. Nobody wants to compromise. Nobody wants to abandon their idea or their viewpoint. What, what they want is to make their point so clear and they want to be right. How, 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 many, how many of you know that, that being right won't get you anywhere in life? Amen. But being righteous will get you absolutely everywhere the Lord wants you to be. If I were to give you a four-piece puzzle, you could put it together and one second. If I were to give you a 50-piece puzzle, uh, it would take you a little bit longer, but you would be able to solve it. But can you imagine this today? If I give you a 500-piece puzzle, which you can you can buy at the store, that's going to be a lot more complicated because there are so many more pieces to find and put together. But if I handed you a puzzle that had a hundred thousand or five million or uh, you know. Uh, a billion pieces, most of you would be like, no, thank you. I'm not, I'm not going to attempt to put a 2,000-piece puzzle together. When you guys and when I try to figure out God's plan, we are left questioning a creator that knows and knows how to deal with billion-piece or more puzzles. It's no issue for him. But what we do is we try to psychoanalyze our creator. And we try to figure out, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? How are you going to do it? When are you going to accomplish this? When are you going to meet me here at this point? God, when are you going to relieve me of this pain, this suffering? God, when are you going to take care of this? And God absolutely will take care of everything. But he's not going to fashion it the way that you have pieced it together in your mind. Amen. He's going to do it the way that he sees fit. I love how Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says that his thoughts and ways are infinitely higher than our ways. I think we just spend so much time captivated on our problems that we forget that we're serving the problem solver. Yeah. I think sometimes we, we look so much on the disease in our lives that we forget about the healer. We forget about, wait a second, this is in God's hands. If I put my hands around something, I'm going to ruin it. If you come to the altar and you're, you're clinging to the altar for life, but you're not giving these problems to the Lord, you're, you, all you're doing is religious stuff. When you raise your hands, if you're not 
actually entering in and worshiping the Lord, then you're just being religious by raising your hands. I'm talking about being real this morning, being able to identify and understand that God, uh, not in a figurative way, but in a true physical and spiritual way, wants us to change into the likeness of the Son. So for all of you today that are, that are hiding and you're, you're keeping secrets, which by the way is the majority of you, you're at a place where you have just learned the art of hiding and running and getting in a corner. And church people around you, they're like, man, they're, they're so good and they're so holy and listen to them pray and listen to them sing and look at them worship. I wish I could be like that person, but what you don't know and what is a high percentage of people in church are hiding things in their life that are destroying them from the inside out. There's a story in the book of Esther. Esther obviously was a, a righteous woman. And I want to read a little bit to, of this to you, and then um, I want to start the message this morning. Um, we read here in, in Esther chapter 7, starting in verse 1, that um, it says, So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let, um, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed and to be killed and to be annihilated. And had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So King Assyrius answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he? And who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is the wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen, and then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther, pleading for his life, for, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I am in this house? And as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And now Harbana, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him on it, so that they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, then the king's wrath subsided. How many understand, and I hope you go back and you study this, because I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but we read in Esther chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, the Jews, um, excuse me, that the Jews had light 
and gladness, joy and honor, and in every providence and city, wherever the king's command and decree came. The Jews had joy and gladness and feast and a holiday that many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. Esther went through a lot. She went through a lot of pain. A lot. Of, here, here's the bulk of it. I'll give you the cliff note version. She stood fast in all of the attacks, and she did not waver. She didn't depend on her emotions or her feelings, but she was honest and upfront about who the enemy was, and God took out that enemy. And likewise, these Jews were freed and given reign over the land again and were able to actually, they weren't even able to defend themselves when warriors came in to kill their children and their women. They weren't even allowed to defend. But because of Esther standing and saying, you know what, this may take forever, but I'm going to trust in the name of God. That is who we are supposed to be. We shouldn't be like, oh, well, I prayed for this for two weeks and nothing's happening, so I'm just going to move on. I'm going to make my decision on my, you guys and me, we shouldn't make any single decision in our life unless the Lord tells us to make that decision. Amen? Amen. God can use negative, even evil circumstances and people to accomplish his ultimate plan for his kingdom through you. I think sometimes we forget that the God is sovereign. That we are not sovereign. We want to be. We want to. I mean, we got a, we got a lot of control freaks here today, right? I've been one of them many times where where I try to control the environment around me, try to control somebody's emotions, try to control a situation so it doesn't get out of hand. How many of you know that sometimes things need to blow up in order for God to fix them? Sometimes relationships in your life need to, to come to a head and get to the point where there is brokenness and transparency in order for God to change things. How many of you know that when we pray, we, when we pray for our children, when we pray for our grandchildren, when we pray for unsaved people around us, our prayer should be, Father God, do whatever you need to do for them to have a real relationship with you before they die. Amen. Our prayer should never be so vague to say whether they've had a car wreck or whether they've had a stroke to say, God, will you please heal them? Our prayer, our foremost uh, petition to God should be, Father, can we please make sure that they know your son? And everything else I know you're going to take care of. I know you're going to, but, but guess what? Can I remind you guys, for all of you in this room to be saved, you had to make the choice to say yes to God. Amen. You had to make the choice to say yes to a Savior that's been longing to be with you. Let's not forget that today. When God is ready to move he will reverse the most irreversible circumstances 
in your life. I just read this in chapter 8 of Esther. The only God could have done that. Only God could have made a reversal. Only God can take diabetes and heal it. Only God can take cancer and heal it. Only God can take a marriage that is broken and burnt out and abusive and heal it. Only God can heal your child of a brain tumor. Only God can reverse these things. It's not the world. It's not the medical center. It's certainly not an MD. I don't even know that MDs know anything anymore. They all seem very slow to me. And are just, and this is why they call it practicing medicine. They're practicing. They don't know what they're doing. Amen. I don't know if you can laugh or not. I don't care. <laughs> there was this army sergeant that was testing his men to see how far that they had progressed in their physical training. And, and he told them to run and leap over a small body of water without falling and getting wet. And some soldiers made it halfway, and others made it two-thirds, and uh, a few made it across with no issues, but 95% uh, ended up getting wet, falling in the water. And the, the sergeant said, hey, this is unacceptable. We're going to come back here tomorrow, and we're going to do this, and we're going to accomplish this, and 100% of you are going to make it over the water without getting wet. And... I'm sure they were all just like, man, how can we do this? And I'm sure some of them lost sleep, that they would not make it through the program, and that they wouldn't advance. And when they came back the next day, the soldiers discovered that the sergeant had put alligators in the water. <laughs> Subsequently, all of them made it over the water without getting wet. How many of you understand today that sometimes God will apply pressure in your life that sometimes looks violent? And he will do things in order to, to corral you into an area where you can be obedient. Now, I know you don't like to hear this, but there are times when God will allow you to go through, go through things that are just flat out dreary and depressing and hurtful. But in the midst of God allowing that to happen... He is using those events and those scenarios and that imagery and all the things and that drama and that hurt, that pain. He is using that to put together the greatest cocktail ever, which will heal you and stretch you and make you stronger. No, no legal event or emotional event or physical event or disease progression can have victory when you stay obedient to God. And some of you are saying, well, what does that mean? If I'm obedient that this will happen and I'll be just free of everything? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you have a father that will never leave you. And our mindset should not be on this world anyways. Our mindset and our heart set should be on eternity. If you're looking to feel fulfilled all the time here... That getting a new this or a new that is going to build joy in you or, or, or you know, listen, I, I, I hate to say this, but when we, when we, when something gets older and we want to replace that something, whether it's this item or that item, 
There's an excitement that we have about having something new and fresh. And it has become a cycle of addiction in the body of Christ, where they're always looking for the next quick fix anointing. And, and, and Pentecostals will say things like, if I can just get a touch from God today at the altar, then I'll be fine. Well, why didn't you allow God to give you a touch before you came to church? Why didn't you allow God to give you a touch on Monday morning and Tuesday night? And Thursday night when you were awake at 2 and 3 a.m. in a fit of anxiety and panic and depression, why not allow God to touch you then? Did you know that you don't need a man or a woman to lay hands on you for God to heal you? Amen. Right? I know I'm probably inadvertently telling people that church isn't necessary. I believe it is necessary in a lot of ways, but... But, but there's a lot of ways that it's not necessary. There's a lot of areas and a lot of things that we do that, that, that simply take us away from, from that personal time that we have with God. You know, if you're really seeking the Lord and you really want uh, an answer and you really want God to do something, uh, you should be praying, reading your Bible, and fasting. Period. When you pray... And you seek the Lord for an answer. When you stop and you listen. And when you fast and you deny yourself of what we're used to putting in our body. This is something I'm trying to drastically learn right now in our life. Because I've been such an emotional food addict since I was a kid. I think about when I was, when I was little. Um, you know, as a kid, you're, getting, you're getting, going to school. You're getting on the bus, you know, your parents are at work, and, and I know my parents worked a lot, and sometimes I, I went to school, uh, or I was still, I was the last one at the house before I got on the bus, and things like that, and so my mom always stopped, I don't know if they make these anymore, but my mom always had in the freezer toaster strudels. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Not Pop-Tarts, let's not go there, alright? I'm talking about the good stuff. Toaster strudels, right? Pop tarts are from the devil. Toaster strudels are angelic. And how do I know that toaster strudels are angelic? Because they come with their own little sauce. And if you put your toaster strudels in the toaster, as an adult or a child, and you put the sauce on top of the toast, it will warm up that yummy. Whatever sauce it is, I say thank you, not for English language much. Um, and so it will warm the icing so that when the toaster strudels come up and they're ready, you put them on there, you just pour that icing on there. Right? Anybody getting, we got a whole bag of toaster strudels downstairs. I'm kidding. We probably do, but don't be So, so because I didn't, I didn't have time for a, you know, breakfast. So I would do the, and, and, and I was always, always, always in a hurry to get out the door. So I put my toaster strudels in, but I would stop the toaster because I thought they were done enough. And, and you know, I'm going some more spiritual with this. Y'all catch on. I'm going some. Some of you have already got it, right? 
Some of you super spiritual people. And so I would do that, and, and then I would put the icing. The icing was good. It was at the optimal temperature for the spreading on the strudel. And then I would I would eat one, and it would be ice cold on the end. It would be flaming hot on the outside of the toast strudel and icy in the middle. And I like the raspberry and the cherry ones. And I, I don't want my raspberry or cherry flavor to be icy, right? Right? But once you eat it, you're out the door, you're not going to just get to eat them, right? This is, what, this is what we do with God. God, God sometimes wants us to stay under the heat until we're done, right? And, and, so, and God, God will keep us. Yeah, so I'm going to try to go buy yourself a new toaster today. Um, I'm sure we could get somebody at the church to pay for that for you. But no, seriously. But, 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 but this is what we do. We're like, okay, God, click. I'm done. And we, we evacuate. We, we abandon what God is trying to do. And we're like, cancel. Those shrewdles come up. They're not done. They're not ready. They're still a little bit frozen on the inside. And, and, and we've got to allow God to keep us in that heat long enough. See, some of you wanted to escape from the heat that's on in your life. But it wasn't the devil that put you there. It was the Lord. And sometimes when the Lord puts us, and I'm not saying he puts us in bad situations, but, but what will happen is when we get in a bad situation, he's like, oh, cool. I'm not worried about this. Court's going to be okay. Candace is going to be okay. Destiny House is going to be okay. You know what? I think since they're already under the heat and the pressure, let's just go ahead and use this as a learning point for them to get closer to me. What an awesome God he is that he allows us to do this. I, I love what Tony Evans said. He says, when life goes left on us, when it doesn't make sense, when it seems unfair, when it's definitely wrong, we're still called to believe in this God who can make the, um, the incomprehensible make sense. But too often we try to illegitimately take matters into our own hands to control our circumstances, but we often wind up making them messier. You know, it's amazing to me how many times in my life God wanted me to stay. And he was like, just stay. I will work it out. But I was like, no, God, I don't think you're working it out. I may not have been verbalizing to this to him, but my attitude and my demeanor towards my father indicated that I was preemptively pulling out of a situation, being a scared little boy. And I'm going to tell you, we've got a lot of scared little girls and boys in the church all over the world because they proclaim, God, mold me. Do whatever you need to do to conform me to the image of Christ Jesus. But then we start complaining when he starts conforming us. Right? And that's not the way it should be. I, I love this quote from another minister from many years ago. It says, God has an override button that he can push to thwart what Satan has planned against you. The people he has raised up against you or the circumstances that look hopeless. 
When God pushes the override button, it may not stop the evil from being evil, but God gives you something to conquer. The other day, Cooper was running around with this little black box in his hand. And I was like, Cooper, what is that? Because it looks like something I probably paid money for. <laughs> and, you know, the other day, a steak knife cut his finger. Yeah, it's just been, it's just been so fun. There's like blood and puke and guts in our house all over the place. We don't even have dogs. I'm just talking about, you know, from my wife. Um, just kidding, kidding, kidding. No, there's, we, we cleaned all that up. Listen, listen. So, so he's running around with this little black box, and I don't know what it was. So, Cooper, what is that? And he said, Dad, it's a kill switch. I said, what? I said, well, I was like, how do you know what a kill switch is? And I don't even think, I don't really know what a kill switch is. And then I realized there's this, there's this movie he's been watching, Mitchell and the Machines or something, and it, and it tries to stop these vacuum robots. And, and actually, Hayden last year gave us a vacuum robot, you know, for our house. It works really well. And so Cooper's always like, Dad, turn on the vacuum robot. <laughs> but we can't because our house is filled with toys. The, the vacuum can't go but one foot. And it just bounces around like the most idiotic robot you've ever seen. <laughs> and so I, I said, he said, he said, Dad, I'm going to take you to jail, and I am going to hit the kill switch so that you don't fall into lava. Well, that's very kind of you. That might be the most loving move any human being has ever given me is to save me from make-believe lava. How many of you know that God, and, and you know the term for a kill switch is not necessarily a negative term. But how many of you know that God has got that override kill switch button that, that, that he says, you know what, I'm not going to put more on you than you can contend with, than you can handle. And, and guess what? We're, if things get too much, I'm just going to push that button. And, and that's the kind of, and I just, I want you guys to just rest assured today that no matter what you're going through, what you're facing, what has been told to you, what has been told about you, you go back to the dog in the pit at the beginning of this, if you want to call it a message, that he just allowed the dirt to fall right off of him and build himself higher and higher in order to get out. How do you guys know that what you're going through right now isn't the greatest turning point in your life? Because I'm going to tell you, when you're going through something and you find yourself saying stuff like this, it's a good thing. Things like, you know what? Let's go a few days without turning the TV on at all. You know what? Let's sit in the living room together and just have conversation. Let's just read the Bible together. Maybe, maybe you say, you know what? In, instead of us going out to, to eat and, and spending money and, and, and getting things that are, 
or hurting our health? Why don't, why don't we, you know, cook something new together? Why don't we do something new as a family? Why don't we go somewhere and help somebody else? If these are the kind of statements and, and the words that are coming out of your mouth, God is using your event that the enemy wanted to bury you with, and he is using that event to build you up. But guess what? If you notice, and this is very hard for Christians to take, because they want God to push that kill switch button whenever things get uncomfortable. But I've talked to many of you just in the last month where one example, man, a couple been trying forever to secure being able to get their house, you know, over three years, just just failure, failure, no, 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 this is not going to happen, and then all of a sudden God comes up and says, guess what, all of this has made you guys stronger as a couple, as a married couple, and guess what, now the loan is approved. What about people that have, in this church that have had major catastrophic uh, episodes in their life, stroke or major back issues where they couldn't walk to where they were in a wheelchair. And, and we said we, we would pray and, 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 and God would just seem like he would give a peace. But there hasn't been like a, a, a massive outpouring of what the church would call a, a healing from God. But this is where we've got to change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't need to change. We need to change. Because when we change, we start seeing, wait a second, even in the midst of this problem and this pain and this hardship, I've got joy and I've got peace. And I will take that over anything else in the world. Uh, I love the song by Shane and Shane years ago. God, I don't need the cancer to go away, but I do need to know that everything's going to be okay. With Jesus, every single thing is going to be okay. Now, the flip side, for some of you guys that I don't know that are here today, maybe you're a visitor if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, everything is not going to go okay. In fact, it might actually feel okay, but your life will never be truly fulfilled, nor will you have a safe eternity with the Father unless you go through having a real relationship with the Son. Will you guys stand with me this morning? Praise the You guys can come up. I love this quote here. As a Christian, you only have one source. If you ever get that in your head, if it ever burns into your heart and mind that nobody, I don't care who they are, has the final say over a Christian living in the spirit of the will of God, then you will understand that you never have to live a threatened life. You know, when we walk, when we go get blood work, some of you are in fear about getting blood work. Some of you are in fear about, hey, we're checking your A1C. Hey, we're doing this. We're, doing, we're checking. We're getting this scan. We're getting the, And you, some of you guys are absolutely in fear. But as a Christian, you should walk in saying, I don't care. 
Because I know who my Savior is. And my Savior, my Father, is the one that commands the days that I live on this earth. No medication, no worldly physician, no medical practice, no blood report, no scan, no x-ray, no chemo, no radiation tells me how long I'm going to live. As a Christian, I live because my Father says, heart, keep beating. Lungs, keep working. Breath, keep going. Circulatory system, keep moving. That is what my Father does because He created me. He created you. So when you get in that pit and the bad person wants to just throw dirt on you, you can say, thank you so much for the leverage. You're the enemy and I serve a Savior. I'm not only going to get out of this pit, but I'm going to live in joy as I'm you don't have to, by the way, you don't have to wait to get out of the pit and have joy. You can have joy while you're going through the problem, but it's a choice. Somebody told me last night, I was texting them, they, they said joy is not a choice. And I said, you're dead wrong. Don't ever text me again. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. It was a, it was a family member. Right? Yeah, so, um, this was one of you guys. I, I may have done that. Um, no. But, Because joy is you not only entering in, but staying in a relationship with God. You cannot have joy without Jesus. You can have fleeting happiness. You can be emotionally high. You can can have these points in your life where you're like, wow, that felt so good or that felt so bad. But you can never have joy in your life without a Savior. And I'm going to tell you today, there's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. Savior, and I accept 
this morning. If you're here and that's you, I want you to pray this out loud. I want you to mean it with all that you are. And I, I believe that there are, are actually many today, five or six today, that are going to be accepting. 